Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Do you ever worry that humanity is too much for God? When you see so much evil in the world today, it can be difficult to imagine Jesus coming back at all in the state that the world is currently in. However, Pastor Jim teaches today that God has an immense amount of patience. There is nothing that can derail God's plan for the world, as well as for your life. As long as you continue to follow and obey His commandments, He will guide you on the correct path and help you steer clear of temptation and sin. Well, let's join Pastor Jim in the book of Genesis chapter 27 as he continues his message, Sinners in the Hand of a Gracious God. Two soul-searching questions for all of us. Do you have to dress up to come to church? Now, I'm not talking about on Sunday, do you, you know, do you make sure you look good or something like that? And, you know, we go through phases in the church here where some, some years the, the ladies, a lot of ladies are wearing dresses and a lot of years they're not. And that's fine. The men always look like slobs. Um, <laughs> we're just trying to make you girls look good. <laughs> so, but, but, but I don't mean, I don't mean your clothing, but do you have to put a false face on to come to church? And if you feel like you can't put that false face on, do you stay home? This should be the church you want to run to when you're really hurting. So, so we can all love on you. And, and we're all going to go through those times. It's not like anybody's exempt from those times. And so, and so do you have to put that false face on? Do you, do you have to... Do you have to act like somebody else to come to church? Do you have to act like somebody you're not? Like he's doing right here. He is acting like somebody he's not to get in good with his father. Do you, do you feel that way? I hope that you don't. I hope that you don't. I, I, the thought of that actually kind of makes me a little bit nauseous. That, that, that we would feel that we have to pretend who we are. Soul-searching question number two. Do you feel like you can be really who you are in front of your heavenly Father? Like when you know things are wrong in your life, are you afraid to talk to him about it? Like, like, he doesn't know? Like, are you, are you, you know, somebody just cleared their throat. That's how it is sometimes me with God. I sit down and read my Bible, and he's like, <clears throat> you, talking to you. I'm like, is nobody else here? <laughs> right? But do, do, you, do you feel that way? Do you feel like you have to sort of like even dress yourself up or look spiritual to God to try and talk to him? And now, if, that's a, if, if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to really think about how sad that really is. That you, you, you can't be, you know, who you are. You know, the old expression goes that God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. Verse 26 says, Then his father, uh, Isaac, said to him, Come near, 
come closer, some versions say, now and kiss me, my son. I wonder, was that the way he normally treated Esau? And did Jacob have to dress up like Esau to get that affection from his father? Verse 27, and he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, surely, some versions I like what better says, ah, ah, the smell of my son, like the smell of the field which the Lord has blessed. So verse 28 and 29, he gives him the blessing. There's three blessings. Number one, the land. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, some versions say the richness of the land and plenty or an abundance of grain and wine. That's the blessing. I, I, I give you that blessing. The second is a, ble- a blessing, if you will, for political supremacy. Let the people, verse 29, let the people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren, over your relatives, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. That would include who? Esau. The third is the fate of what it will be like for the people and how they treat you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. These are very similar to the blessings that God gave to Abraham. And Jacob will be blessed. And the entirety of this world has been blessed through Jacob because of eventually he's in the family line of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 30 says this, Now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau's brother came in from his hunting. Uh Uh-oh. He had also made savory fruit and brought it to his father and said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that your soul may bless me. All right, so he's like, here we go. And his father Isaac said to him, who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly. Some versions say violently and said, who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it all before you came and I have blessed him. And indeed, look at this, he shall be blessed. So he's confident that whoever he blessed will be blessed because the blessing can't be taken back. So why why did he tremble exceedingly or violently? I think it comes down to this. I I think he realized that he's been fighting God and he has lost, right? He has totally lost. Now, it's interesting when you go to the New Testament, it says this, Hebrews 11, 20, which a lot of people would be like, this doesn't seem to work at all. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. You say, well, what kind of faith is this? He tried to go behind God's back. I think it's because in the, it's in these words that he, he, indeed he shall be blessed that, that Isaac knows that what God said he would do, even though he tried to trick, you know, even God, if you will, that the promise will come true. In other words, he believed in the promise. 
It's just that the way he went to try and do it was wrong. It seems when he said again, indeed, he would be blessed, he knew God would keep the promise that he made to Abraham. When he trembled, I think he knew that he was in the presence of God. Like he, 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 that finally his spiritual eyesight returns to him and that, that God's plan, not his, would prevail. And sometimes being in the presence of God is, is an absolute wonderful thing. But sometimes it is the scariest thing you could ever imagine in your whole life. And if you haven't been there, I've been there. It is really scary. Because you know that he could squash you like a bug. So what about Esau? Verse 34, when Esau heard the words of his father, he said, oh, that's cool, Dad. Don't worry about it. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me also, or bless me too, oh, my father. But he said, your brother came with deceit, or your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob for he has supplanted, some versions say cheated me these two times? He took away my birthright. Now that's not true, is it? No, you despised it and you traded it for some stew. And now look, I'm, I don't think I'll ever eat stew again, man. It just gets you into trouble, right? <laughs> and now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? So you can, you can share other blessings. And, but because he loved Esau so much, he gave him everything. Then Isaac answered and said to Esau, indeed, I have made him your master. And all his brethren I have given to him as servants with grain and wine. I have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. So he's weeping loudly. Now, this is something we all have to remember. He is weeping over what? The consequences. Over what he didn't get. But as we will see in his life, there's no heart change. He could have said to Jacob, okay, you got it. We knew it. Mom told me to a long time ago. I know I married those Hittite wives. I know I don't fit into the plan, but you know what? I want to serve the Lord with you. But he doesn't do that. So then Isaac gives this sort of blessing to, to, to Esau, but it's not good. Verse 39, then Isaac, his father answered and said to him, behold, your dwelling shall be of or away from the fatness or the richness of the earth and of the, and away from, the dew uh, from heaven above. So what does he tell him? Oh, yeah, you're not going to live in the fertile land. It's not going to happen for you. By your sword, you shall live. So what's he going to be? He's going to be a hunter for the rest of his life. He's going to be a predator. He's going to be a warrior. And you shall serve your brother. Oh, he didn't want to hear that one, did he? Basically, he says, you can't attack him. I know you're a man of the sword. You can't attack him. And it shall come to pass when you become restless or when you rebel, when you're tired of your brother, that you shall break his yoke from your neck. You're going to go out on your own. Finally, you're going to reach a point in time where you're going to be like, you know what? I can't do this with you, dude. I cannot do this. I know how you got this blessing, and I can't do this with you. 
verse 41, we come to the consequences of everybody's sin. Like, there's four of them, right? Mom, dad, two boys. Whose fault is it? Yes. <laughs> yes. This is, this is major family dysfunction. Some of you right now are feeling pretty good about your families. <laughs> You're like, we're bad, but we're not this bad. So Esau hated Jacob, verse 41, because of the blessing which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, watch this, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. My father's going to be dead soon. They're soon. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. He dies, then Jacob dies. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending or planning to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee, go to my brother Laban in Haran. <laughs> this guy's a real piece of work. Okay, so he's like, okay, I got, I got a good place for you to go. It's like, it's like sending him to the worst place imaginable. As we will see, Laban is a real piece of work. And stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away. Some verses say his angers subside until your brother's anger, rage turns away from you and he forgets that you have done what you have done to him. And I will send and bring you from there why should I bereave also of you or lose both in one day? Remember I said that her sin will break her heart? She will never see him again. She will never see him again. And then for Jacob, what's going to happen if you know the story, his own sons, he ends up with a favorite son too. He's got a bunch of wives bunch of sons, and he has a favorite son named Joseph, and they're going to trick him, and they're going to tell him, oh, he was killed by wild animals. You know, like the kind you dressed up as, right? You know, He was killed by wild animals when they took him and they sold him into slavery in Egypt. Verse 46, and Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth like these, who are the daughters of the land, those that live around here, the ones that, that Esau is marrying, what good will my life be? Right? God's, how's God's plan going to come to pass? If, if, my, if my other son goes out and does the same thing, what, what, what's, what's going to happen? What, what, what is this? Now, if you're new to the Bible, and not one of you clap because I finished the whole chapter. Anyway, uh, but if you're new to the Bible, uh, and I, we, we used to teach through the Bible like this all the time. I'll go back to it one of these days. But again, if you're new to the Bible, I find Jacob to be one of the more relatable characters in the Bible because I think if most of us think about it, that we see some of ourselves in him. We just want to force it. We want to force it. And there's a lot of people in the Bible like him. And the church is often like this. We're, we're, we're like that. But but here's the thing, that, that God's plans are not derailed by the sin of his people. And now with you know, social media, I mean, just 
you, you see in, in churches all over the world, I mean, this church, especially in the United States, now there's a lot of them. And for every one stupid pastor, there's 10,000 that are not like that. But, but you, just, you just see that there's just scandals everywhere. But, and I say this with all due respect, God is incredibly stubborn to carry out his plan. I mean, he's just doing it. He's just doing it. No matter, we're not going to mess it up. He is just going to do it. It's a matter of whether we're going to be on board with it or we're not. So you might be asking me tonight, maybe you're here, you're not a follower of Jesus. How do we get to God? I mean, how do we get to him? And how in the world is there anything of God in this passage? Well, if you were listening... We're going to try to find it. But I hope you were listening. Going back to verse 13. This is how we get to God. Rebecca says this. Go to your father and let your curse be on me. Let your curse be on me, my son. Go to your father and let your curse be on me. She says... If you get caught in your sin, I will take the blame for your sin. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right there. There you have it. On the cross, Jesus took the blame for your sin. Jesus says, if you want to get to your father, put your trust in me that I took the blame for your sin because God requires that you are perfect to get into heaven. And, you know, none of you are perfect. You know that, right? Okay? If you don't know it, ask the people who brought you here. (laughs) They love you. They'll tell you. But so on the cross, Jesus, who never sinned, took the blame for your sin. Well, she said, well, if you get caught, well, you're caught. We're caught in our sin. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes this, Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Where? On the cross. Here's part of the beauty of Jesus. Jesus Christ is the firstborn son. He He is God's one and only son, if you will. He is the favorite son of God the Father. But Jesus left heaven to come to earth. Now, that means that God, if he was already in heaven, became a man. They knew him as Jesus of Nazareth. So so what did he do? Well, remember the way Jacob dressed up like Esau? Jesus was God and put on humanity. Jesus dressed up as one of us. And lived a perfect life. Jesus, God himself, became a human being. He added humanity to himself and lived a perfect life in our place. So you don't have to to feel that pressure. And when you trust in Jesus, not only does he take the curse of your sin, but he takes his perfect righteousness and clothes you with it. So you appear before God as as if you had never sinned. So in God's eyes, you are now dressed like Jesus. 
you now look like Jesus. There's an interesting thing that happened on the cross. There was great darkness over the land. And, And Jesus said this, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But you know, usually in the gospels, what does Jesus call God? Father. Father. But he doesn't hear. I mean, he's reciting Psalm 22. But he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why does he say that? It's an interesting verse in Hebrews in the New Testament, chapter 12, verse 23. It says, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn. What? What? Jesus is the firstborn. How did we all end up being the firstborn? How did that happen? That seems really weird, doesn't it? He says, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of, of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. How are we made perfect? By putting our trust in Jesus Christ instead of ourselves. So just think, just concentrate just for one second. On the cross, I can't even say this. On the the cross, Jesus gave up being the firstborn so you could be the firstborn. So I could be the firstborn. So we could be the firstborn. That's why, that's why some people will be like, because of things like that, you're doing that, you're dying on the cross like that, so I can be the firstborn. Let me, let me get this straight. You're dressed up like, you're like me on the cross, so I should be there, you're there, and I get to be the firstborn. That's how a lot of people will hear that message. Not going to church, not religion, not lighting a candle, not all that stupid stuff that people talk about, but because of that, I will serve you forever. I will give you everything because you gave everything for me. You gave your life for me, I will, you gave your life to me, I will give my life to you. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's what it means. When you turn to God, you turn from your sin, and you put your trust in Jesus, understand this. Even though you still sin and I still sin, God delights in you. You are the son. You are the daughter who God delights in. You are blessed by God. And you are called to be a blessing to others because God has a plan for your life and he has a plan for the lives of the people that you know. Now, you might say, I'm not so sure he wants to do it with me. I'm not so sure that's possible. Look at what he did with these jokers. Look at this. I'm going to tell you, this is actually a decent point for Jacob. (laughs) I mean, they're, they're completely working against God, completely. But remember what I said, with all due respect, God is stubborn. You will not thwart my plans. Some of you think, oh, I did this, and God, I thwarted God's plans. Not possible. Not possible. Imagine a church dedicated to loving and kindly 
uncompromisingly sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with people. That's why we have dinners on Wednesday night. People will come for food, right? And then they'll hear this and they'll be like, I never heard this stuff before. Like, I, 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 never, I never thought like this before. You see, loved ones, it comes down to this. We want to help people. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to know that tonight might be your night. If you're listening on the radio or you're watching online, it might be your moment, your Jesus moment to make a dramatic move, to move from, as we opened up, sinners in the hands of an angry God because of our sin to sinners in the hands of a gracious God. All you need to do is put your trust in Jesus and serve him for all of your days. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Change by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Change by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.